Taika Waititi? Taika Waititi, 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 We're just carrying on. old phone Yeah. We found one joke that works. The repeating the name over and over again, and we're going to stick with it by George. Yeah, yeah, we'll just keep doing that, because that's clearly the only way to introduce people. So hi and welcome to Behind the Hype with me, your host is always Brian Dressel. With me as always is Jonathan, 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 Yep. That that's that was the funny way of doing it, right? Oh yes, gold. <laughs> and that is ch- 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 I'm gonna stop. That's Chewy Darso, and let's get started <laughs> before that joke murders my soul. Uh, week two of Taika Waititi month. Uh, we're uh, man. I would say. Out of all the months we've done, this might be the biggest stark jump in quality from one week to the next I've seen so far. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about it. We're talking about Boy this week, the 2010 film from New Zealand that was so goddamn huge in New Zealand it got an international release. And uh, and then it didn't make a whole bunch of money internationally. But it still made a shitload in New Zealand. So, you know, good for Boy. Yeah, good for Boy. Yay. It's about the only good thing for boy in the whole movie. Um, man, when I watched the first, what I thought was half, turned out to be maybe ten minutes. Uh, I did not realize how uh, how heavy this movie was going to be, and kind of sat down for it, going like, I can't wait to watch this funny film. And ooh, it's not <laughs> nope. terribly funny. No, not terribly funny. Uh, ra- rather dramatic, I would say. Like on IMDb, it's listed as a comedy drama. I would flop those two words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, no, I remember it being more comedy than drama when I first saw it. But no, it, it's the other way around. You're yeah. right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but really quick, do we have a where have they been doing? I have one. Did uh, John, did you have one this week? Uh, yeah, I have two very small ones. Okay. Uh, I'll go first because mine's a little bit longer, but I don't have a lot to say about it, unfortunately. I watched the uh, the episode of Flight of the Concords he directed, one of the four that he directed. I watched the New Zealand town. Um, that's where the <laughs> uh, the guys get hooked on hair gel and looking real cool. They want to impress the prime minister. and I, I don't know. Like I, I just kind of had it on in the background. I thought it would grab my attention more, and it, it just kind of didn't. So maybe this isn't the best take on Aware of they've been doing. Still an enjoyable episode. The songs were still funny. I just didn't scream beyond it just being about New Zealanders and then the Prime Minister of New Zealand coming to the little New Zealand town. It, beyond just New Zealand, New Zealand, New Zealand, it didn't feel especially uh, Taika to me. Like, his voice didn't really jump out at me as much as, like, uh, some of the other TV shows he's directed, even, like, Star Wars or uh, or The Mandalorian um, or some episodes of What We Do in the Shadows that just felt more like it had his brand of humor. This one felt more like... It's still him because he still has a lot to do with it, but it just didn't quite ring uh, quite as tight as I expected it to on a rewatch. And that could be because, like I said, I did kind of have it on the background. I do have to work all day long, so trying to throw these in is a little tough. But it was enjoyable. I just thought there'd be more Taika to it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm guessing you watched a couple of uh, Thor shorts? Uh, I did. (laughs) And... uh... Speaking of the opposite of what you were saying about the ones you watched, uh, this had Taika all over it. (laughs) 
just in terms of the humor and the just the dialogue, the kind of off the cuff feel to it. And I really enjoyed I really enjoyed both of, both of them. I watched the third one, Team Daryl, which I didn't enjoy nearly as much, but I yeah I I still really enjoyed kind of the whole set and that that idea and just letting it play out. They could have been longer, in my opinion. I could have watched a whole movie of those. Like if that was his movie of just what Thor did during Civil War, and it was just he hung out with his roommate, I, I would have been pretty happy with that. Can they do a crossover with the Doctor when he was with that? When he was with, with James Corden? Yeah, with James Corden. <laughs> Back when James Corden wasn't James Corden. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Put all four of them in like a like a flat together. Yeah. Are you an interdimensional uh, uh, god? Yeah. Kind of. Are, are you a Time Lord? Yeah. Huh. Uh, should we hang out? We're just kind of kicking it on Earth right now. <laughs> you, he you... says, should we hang out? And doctor, the doctor's like, I already, we already did. We did. Got a time machine. It was fun. You'll remember it at some point. Aww. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly. Bye. Uh, Thor would be so annoyed at that. Yes, he would. And Thor's like, uh, um, Loki? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just pokes him. Are you my brother? Loki? You don't have uh, any snakes hidden, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'd also, I'd honestly argue those two Thor shorts have more of Taika flavor than uh, than Thor Ragnarok did, which makes sense. There's a lot more money behind Ragnarok than a couple of internet shorts, but yeah, yeah, no, it just kind of shows where his humor really sh- gets to shine is when the idea simplifies a bit and isn't beholden to a whole universe. Yeah. Um, anything else to say about that thing, or should we jump into the movie of the day? We should jump into the movie of the day, I think. So, boy, it is. Uh, boy is a... I can just do a very quick breakdown so we can just dive right into this thing. Boy is a film about a, a young New Zealand uh, boy uh, and his brother who never really knew their father. Uh, the main character's name is Alumain, I believe, but he actually goes by boy. Uh, and then his dad is Alumain. Um, I, I got that right, right? They did have the same name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, can... I assume the people want to call him boy because they don't like his father. That would make sense. Um, but either way, so he goes by boy, then he has his brother, and he lives with his cousins and his aunt. And when his aunt has to go away, is it? No, it's not his aunt, his grandma. grandma. Uh, when his grandma has to go away to go to a funeral, she leaves boy in charge, which I'm just going to chalk it up to cultural differences of like, I would never leave that young of a boy in charge of that many children. But I mean, they did a good job, so who cares? It was the 80s. Um, it, was, it was a different time. Different time, different country, different people. Um, so while he's taking care of his uh, cousins and his brother, his dad shows up. And he has the most amazing opinion of his dad, and his dad doesn't live up to it. And that's pretty much the whole movie. Well, his dad does kind of like, he just loves his dad so much he wants to be his dad, and his dad's a freaking criminal. So boy starts being a freaking criminal, and then slowly but surely realizes, oh, my dad's not a role model. He's a scumbag. And then he yeah. kind of snaps out of it, and then that's the rest of the movie. Um, for some reason, like, you watch the trailer, you you look at the advertising, you look at anything. This movie looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It might be funny. It might have some sad parts, but it'll be, it'll be mostly an enjoyable romp. Not how I'd describe the movie at all. <laughs> nope. It, it, I, it's enjoyable. I wouldn't call it laugh out. It's not a continual laugh fest of a movie no but it's this weird sort of 
I don't even know how to describe it because we can't like I my gut instinct is called a drama. Um, I don't know why I have to classify a genre for this film, but I think just because it kind of defies genres that my brain is just trying to wrap my head around it and it just needs to throw some sort of label at it. And I'm not right. sure if it's really even possible because when it is funny, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Like the last three mo- three minutes of the film without credits, without anything, is just Taika and the cast doing a, uh, a dance th- like to Thriller-ish. Yeah, yeah, that turns into like I think what is it, the haka or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, yeah, they kind of do a thriller haka dance, and that's the last three minutes of the movie. Total, like the movie's done. The story's complete, yeah. and then here we go. Like it's just kind of a an odd little thing, but I. But the difference between this one and say like uh, not necessarily Eagle versus Shark, but kind of versus Eagle Shark, uh, <laughs> this movie just feels shockingly and painfully honest. Yeah, like a movie that could be very funny, could be kind of fun, but a boy with his dad who's kind of a uh, perpetual child uh, in the worst way possible. You can make some comedic, you can make a really funny movie out of it. Could Will Ferrell could be the dad? Like, there's a different way this could have gone, but instead, it kind of feels like an honest take of like, what would this kid be like? What would the dad be like? Like, there is a legitimate tragedy in this family. When uh, boy and his brother's mom died giving birth to his brother to his brother, like it, it's it, it's a tough thing to wrap your head around, and it's not tough, a tough emotionally thing to get your head around, and it's just almost a weird f- framing for a film that, as serious and dramatic as it is, constantly kind of wants you to laugh. It kind of wants you to laugh through the pain, which is nice in a way, but it makes it really tough to say: is it a drama? Or is it a comedy? I think it's because it's from Boy's perspective the whole time. Oh, yeah. Unflinchingly the, when so. When we meet him, he's looks elated. He's doing a little speech at school of, who am I? And he's smiling the whole time. He's talking about how great his life is, how great his father is, how great it's going to be when his father comes back. And takes him to see Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then... So when his father does show up, he's sticking to that greatness, and as it it just kind of falls apart, and the mat- the movie get matures with him almost because then once he gives up on the perfect idea of his father, then we see him making dinner for his uh, cousins and his brother and everything, sitting down and doing all that stuff, and then saying hi to the grandmother and walking to see even before the in the movie visiting the mother's grave is a big deal yeah but the only one that does it is rocky even earlier on boy doesn't actually go to his mother's grave he just yells at rocky from the fence yeah no he he and his father have like almost the exact same problem i don't know what the symbolism is or the cultural thing is with the two bottles of water that they wiped their hands with when they left the cemetery i thought that was interesting yeah it's i just kind of chalk that up to cultural things yeah um but yeah you you kind of watch boy mature in this movie oh there's and, no kind of about it like yeah. this is a when you break it down to like it's like just the skeleton of the movie it's a coming of age story yeah yeah and it's just kind of sad that a large part of maturing is destroying your heroes destroying your heroes and not thinking that everything's cheery yeah yeah as well as also 
de- deciding to cope or, or for like working through something. I don't know. I forgot the ending to this when I first saw the movie, like from what I from when I first saw this years ago, and I forgot just how cathartic them arriving to the cemetery felt. And as I've dealt with grief in the past before, and there's a period of time where you're just like, it's not real. If I don't encounter it or deal with it or do anything with it and just push it off to the side, things will be fine. It'll be great. You know, haha jokes. You know, we can be silly. Let's have some fun. Let's just go kind of go go nuts. And then when you really make yourself approach it like, hey, this tragedy happened. This sucks. It's yeah, no, it's 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 encouraging. It is the beginning. It's it's a a great beginning, a way to end this. I don't know. I really I really loved the ending and just that turn on it. See, and just just to push back, just for the slightest of slight things, my only kind of complaint with the ending is that I feel like it took almost a hair too long to get there with the idea of specifically with um, Tyka's character, and I, I'm already disagreeing with myself as I'm saying it, but I'm just going <laughs> to say it anyways. But we had the same sort of problem with Eagle versus Shark with Jermaine Clement's character of he spent the whole movie being a dickhead, and then it's not until the last three seconds that he's even remotely redeemable, but we're so set in this opinion of him of, no, she shouldn't be with him. He's a fucking dickhead. Um, or to use the New Zealand term, he's an egg. Um, yeah. <laughs> <You> egg. <laughs> so in this movie, I kind of the same thing towards Taika. By the time he's finally willing to break out of whatever the hell cocoon he's in of just shame and sadness and just self-hatred and whatever it is, and he leaves the uh, the carved uh, owl for his son, and he goes and finally visits his wife. Um, by that point, it's like, oh, here's a glimmer of hope. And it almost would have just been a little nice just to have that for a second longer, because you spent the movie hating him for so long and for so many very valid reasons that even when you have the moment of like seeing him attempt to visit his wife or that's really the one I can think of off the top of my head. Like you can, you want to like him, but I still like everything in my body is like, no, you can't because he's still that guy that he was two minutes ago in this very movie. Oh yeah. And I even think just where they decided to end it without anything other than the kids saying something, uh, was smart because there's like, well, it's not done yet. This, this is just the start of them healing and getting to it. And there's still a lot of screw ups along the way, but, but it felt like we, we made it <laughs> kind of like you can take your breath now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. And probably how I should take the ending. And maybe it's just because I really enjoyed this world so much and these characters so much that I wanted to spend a little time with it. Not sucking. Um, what sucked? Boy's what? life. Oh, Everything that happens sucks. It's it's a very, not everything, but a lot of it is very dramatic and very tough to deal with. So it'd be kind of nice to go back to how it was in the for the first minute and a half of the movie before it all comes crashing down. Like you have the intro of Boy where he talks about how everything is awesome and everything is great. Look at how cool I am. And within a minute of that, your dad's not doing any of that. He's in prison with my dad. You know the boy's a liar and he's making all this up to try to... Like, you you know so much about him in one second. And yeah. all that he's joy deflated. you just had is gone. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't even remotely start to come back until the last frame of the movie. 
because you know you know who his dad is you know what his dad has done you, you can tell just by the fact that he has a gang he's afraid to even like go near his children when he first meets him like his kid offers him a cup of tea and they take it in the car like there's so <laughs> many things that like you can laugh at because it it's funny but at the yeah. same time it's like this guy is fucked up and he is fucking up his kids well he's yeah, pretending no. the both him and boy are just lying to themselves about what yeah. life is and the similarities are there like what the teacher said about them just kind of being in their own heads and making their own realities and alamein really gets defensive whenever someone calls him out on his falsehoods and they're beaten down to the end of the movie where they both have to actually like admit who they are what is going on and actually be genuine people yeah and it's this weird moment where alamein alamein is at the end of his rope he's hitting his rock bottom by the time he's left the house he's left his mom's house he's just basically homeless by his wife's grave he's at rock bottom we can assume yeah. like, like he's he's bottom because he doesn't have any money he's out of prison he's got no safety net the guys who he had convinced that he was something realized that he's not yeah uh and left with his we assume stolen car uh, he starts it with a spoon. Yeah. He stole yeah. the car. Um, so yeah, like they are, they all are at the bottom. They but all no, have to work up their family back together. But I mean, like emotionally, physically, everything. Alamein's at rock bottom. But I don't think, I don't think that boy was there yet. I think he was on his way there. But he's so young. It's like it's not too late for him. No. And that moment where boy finally realizes that he's been lying to himself his whole life about how active his dad was or wasn't in his life remembered him being at the death of his mother when he wasn't there like he actually clicked and it all made sense it's not that he's mad at his dad personally i don't think that he's mad as a dad for not being there well it's probably part of it but he's mad at his dad for not being the role model that he thought he was like that anger and everything that he is smashing like he beating his dad up, slapping him in the face. He's half his size, oh. and he's still kicking his ass. It is just brutal, like emotionally brutal. And it's just, be, and from what I'm taking it is, I looked up to you, and you failed me my whole life. You failed yeah. me as a child. You failed me now. You are nothing that I thought you were. You are nothing. Get your shit together. Yeah. Well, he parents are supposed to be a rock for their children in some regard. Whether or not it's the consistency of them being there for them or that they're good at emotionally being there for their kids or any of that, the f- Alamein was none of that. So it really, it's a reckoning with Boy with that, more so than whether or not he lived up to Boy's fantasies. It's the reckoning that he was never consistent rock of any regard. Yeah. But I think those kind of go hand in hand, the fantasy aspect and the real aspect, because to Boy, it's all the same. Yes, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's how I took it, anyways. John, what did you think? Yeah, I I agree with everything, really. Um, it's interesting as we've been going through this, though, and I've been finding those points, kind of zeroing in on those funny points and everything you've mentioned, and what we said earlier about just the comedy part kind of clicked, and it's kind of great to go from Eagle versus Shark to this to see where it's like those comedic elements didn't work. But here, it was crucial. Because even during all this, it's finding finding your way, navigating your way through the, everything crashing down around you. And, you know, even the, vi- like, the one kid, Rocky, and his 
artistic like uh, notebook art and the kid and his like d- his visions of his father and as all that kind of comes crashing down it's like yeah but then they also start a car with a spoon or he's uh taking his quote-unquote girlfriend and a ride as he's just going vroom, 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 in the car and you know it's it was a great to me a great mix of putting that together to work us through it because i felt like i was crashing everything was crashing around me as i was watching this because i could so like empathize with the situation yeah and it's really nice especially seeing this as the sophomore effort kind of jumping off what you were saying of we got to see in eagle vs shark his idea of having very dramatic um very dramatic characters who consistently lie to themselves and how even in spite of all that there can be a bit of comedy around that nonsense and that that drama and whatnot and it just didn't quite click in Eagle versus Shark. Like it was there. It had moments that were absolutely funny. It's still an enjoyable film. I'd still watch it again. But this movie, you can just see how much stronger of a voice he got over the few years in between the two films. Like the difference between the drama and the comedy is so like the it's the the distance is so much farther. But they're actually required for everything to work. Like if it the com- you remove the comedy from the movie, this is just a very depressing. Uh, coming-of-age story likened to uh, this boy's life with uh, De Niro and DiCaprio. Like, it feels like that. Like, fuck, that's sad. Um, But by having this, as John said, that blend, I think it really just kind of works of, like, no matter how sad it is that this kid is just lying to himself, his dad is lying to himself, his dad is trying to gaslight his mom or his grandma into giving him more money. Like, just everything about this guy sucks. But then you have a moment of him dressed up as a samurai. Because you know he'd be so awesome like that, and it's like okay, or or even the scene where they're um shooting, they're they're, at, they're playing war at the beach with giant sticks on like a like pretending to be a Gatling gun, you know, it's like he can he can still be there for the kids in his own weird way. Yeah, even while circling the important stuff that has to be done. See, I, I didn't like you see, so you much see the as, touches of that. I didn't see that so much as he could be there for the kids, but it just so happened that what they both wanted to do lined up. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want to play Soldiers on the Beach. Ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> One thing that I'm finding interesting about from this is the theme in so far of White TD's movies is the overconfident buffoon. Uh, and I look forward to seeing the Wilder people. Yeah, hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt yeah. for the Wilder People after this, because uh, we had the buffoon in Eagle versus Shark, because the eagle, Clement... Jermaine Clement. Jermaine Clement is a extreme buffoon. Yeah. Uh, and the father in this is a buffoon. The son, to a lesser degree, he's a kid. He's got a good excuse. Uh, he's a kid and, who, if he writes the ship, will be fine. If yeah. he doesn't, he's going to be his dad. Yes. Uh, and then... Just thinking about Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a total buffoon. <laughs> you took a very serious Thor, who was kind of buffoony, but mostly for cultural differences in the previous films. In Ragnarok, he just a, seems like a buffoon because he's an overconfident guy who's being put in these situations where he feels like he can never lose, so he can just act like a buffoon because he's never really been checked before and then he gets checked and then he acts like a buffoon some more when he's fighting the hulk and is 
Wally has an insane amount of tragedy going on, which both of the characters in the other movie, in these, this movie and the previous one as well. Wow, I didn't even really think about that. Yeah. Same amount of tragedy. Still kind of funny. Yeah. He's oh, ba- wow. He's basically saying men turn into buffoons because they can't handle tragedy. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the message I'm getting right now. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm trying to think of like uh Well, what we do in the shadows doesn't really have uh, kind of has They're that. all buffoons. They're all buffoons. They're vampires. They're all buffoons. nothing but tragedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all really sad vampires. They try to make up for it by being sexy, but you have to murder people to live. It's not quite as bad, <laughs> but I see what you mean. Um I'm trying to move just to like a little bit different in this film. Is Chewie brought something up when we were watching it that I thought was really interesting, especially you know um, coming to you from the ATH network where we have Samwise. For the majority of my cinematic knowledge, when we see New Zealand in a film, it's gorgeous, and it's usually coming from Peter Jackson. But they find the most beautiful landscapes, the most beautiful beaches, the most beautiful people, the most beautiful everything. And watching this movie, it was really refreshing to be like, oh, there is a different side to New Zealand. It is more than (laughs) just Middle Earth. Well, it's just the fact that we got to see their landscapes without, like, a saturation filter. Yeah. That was a giant difference. I'm like, oh, my God, it's not this blinding, lush green. (laughs) It's still beautiful, but it's not, you know... It's not yeah, no, the, the camera was like five feet off the ground instead of 500, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of nice getting to see like a different take of New Zealand. Because like, we kind of got that Neagle vs. Shark, but it didn't really feel as like important. Yeah, the, the landscape didn't feel as important in Eagle vs. Shark. Yeah, like this world, uh, the world in Boy, like it really almost feels like a character in the film. Like it doesn't really play a part so much as just this is where they live. Yeah. But it just kind of has this, like, I, I don't know, like this quality to it where like I, I really dove into the world of both like the landscapes the actual physical world and just like the other characters and just like that everything about it like i just really really enjoyed it yeah Uh, and and unlike the previous movie where it's like those places that they were at eagle versus shark could have been anywhere like the the house could have been anywhere and who cares yeah whereas this is like i I felt like it was important where everything was and the distances they were walking and the shop and it was like i was starting to kind of connect those locations and starting to live there get settled in in a in a way that was a, a a nice change from the previous movie. Yeah, like the that's kind of what I mentioned earlier with this. You can just see how much he grew as a filmmaker. Like you just look at like just the itty bitty little details of I forget the character's name now, but the woman who has all the jobs in the town. Auntie. Yeah. Oh, Auntie. Um, what's her name? Auntie. Uh, Auntie Gracie. <laughs> yeah. You start seeing her throughout the entire movie. She always has a different job. She's always somewhere else. And, like, I love that one moment when a boy tries to get free stuff off of her, and she's like, go get a job. I can't. You have them all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would be a problem in the town. (laughs) Yeah. I love that that moment. (laughs) (laughs) You have them all. He's not wrong. I... I just, yeah, there's just so many things in this movie that I can just gush about for days and days, but really what it comes down to it is that I think it it was just an exceptionally well-written script, directed perfectly, has an amazing cast. It's just, it, it's a rare movie where, like, oh, you, you nailed everything, man. I mean, he spent more time on the script, I think, than Eagle vs. Shark. When I looked it up, it sounded like he was prepping the script first and then decided to do Eagle vs. Shark while he was polishing this one. 
I mean, that would make sense. I mean, this one... I mean, there's a lot more to this one. Eagle vs. Shark, I could see being a little bit less intimidating for a first-time director. Mm-hmm. Like, if he had both scripts, it'd be like, oh, I can do a romantic comedy, or I could do a coming-of-age story about a boy and his father. I'm going to do the romantic comedy. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. The one that's going to be a little less emotionally taxing. Yeah, you know, I, I get it. If, avoiding that one for as long as you possibly can until you get to the grave state, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> to then, make the movie thematic to life, right? And it also, like, this one, I think, needed a little bit more money behind it. Not a whole bunch, but a little bit. Um... So I get it, but it is just kind of nice just seeing that change, like oh, just yeah. such a stark change. And then, from what I understand, like I, I mentioned last week, I haven't seen all of Hunt for Wilder People, but that that change is just as dramatic. Like he just keeps getting better and better. I mean, there's a reason he's one of our top directors right now. Yeah, um, it's just really fun going back and seeing like the two first movies that got him there. Uh, what, and, what have and we see how in, strong sorry. they were from the beginning? Like, oh yeah, that's blowing my mind. Yeah, no, I, I I don't know what took him so long. Like he's not, he's older than I am, but he's not like. Like, wh- where have you been, man? Come on. He was a indigenous man in New Zealand. Yeah, I guess I'd be a little. Hey, tough Hollywood. <laughs> One thing I just find just the tragedy of the haircut. This boy oh. had. Look at that. You look at it, the first photo on the internet is just his face in front of the blackboard, and you just see his hair. It's shiny and curly and looks great and then you have the one time when the father's like all right i'm gonna be maternal i'm going to give you a haircut but i'm gonna get freaking high first and i'm going to butcher you i used to spend the rest of the movie like that oh oh and it I looks felt like so bad. that's not a wig that they actually did that to the poor boy oh yeah they did that that's to gonna be me in like a couple weeks but without James getting high Rolston. part uh and I was just like, oh, no. Such beautiful hair. Why would you cut it so short? Because his father has long hair. Well, Why he was trying just... to do the, the thriller haircut, and he just really jacked yeah, it up. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Not the bad haircut, the thriller haircut. Uh, um. Yeah. <laughs> um. Da, da. And then he Real tries to impress Chardonnay, the girl he likes, after he gets that haircut. And then he, you know, t- talks like his father for a moment, which is, you know, the worst thing you can do while trying to woo a woman. And tells her, you can see my dick, but I can't get you pregnant. I'm like, ugh. Her response ugh. was appropriate. Appropriate. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Chardonnay in this movie, mostly. She's an older, attractive girl. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe I'm not, it's not that I'm not a fan of Chardonnay. I'm not a fan of boy going after Chardonnay. It's like. It's not that you're going out of your league. It's that you're just wasting your time. <laughs> it's like, she's right. never going to like you, dude. The fact that she even wants to hang out with your car is like, really? I know it's a cool car, yeah. but you have to hang out with that kid. Because that's what he is to you. A yeah. kid. Yeah. No. But at the same time, he's he's probably just flying up until, like, rejection. You know, he's just like, yeah. cloud nine, that guy, you know? I think he's cloud nine until he gets caught having stolen his dad's jacket. I think yeah. that's the first time he realizes that he's might be in trouble. Yeah, yeah and Chardonnay actually after sees he falls that too. Off the bridge. Before, well, before, because after he falls off the bridge is right when he goes and slaps his dad. Okay. The bridge was like the breaking point. Okay, I'm forgetting. Yeah. The line of events. Yeah, no, no, no. the that one I just remember because I'm like, did they just kill this fucking kid in this movie? Like, goddamn! <laughs> <laughs> wow, Taika. Gee whiz. Good Boy Lord. is edgy, actually. <laughs> 
That's a little bit of like interesting symbolism that I'm not sure how it works into this movie. Because you have the what Heath considers a mentally challenged man, what Boy considers a mentally challenged man, who throughout the film is kind of troll-like, because he's just kind of a big man lumbering around under a bridge next to a body of water collecting stuff. Yeah. And he's the one that saves Boy from drowning. And for a moment, Boy hallucinates that, that he is his mother sitting on the driftwood when he's coming back to consciousness. Yeah. And I don't know if there is symbolism there or if it's just, you know, he happens to make him this what feels kind of like a mythical character to me. I, I took that as more, yeah, the more mythical character. Nah, maybe not the mythical character. I didn't really see him seeing the guy as his mother so much as just he assumed his mother saved him, sort of grogginess getting out of the yeah, water. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, or, or maybe... Or maybe you could say that like it was his mother <laughs> intervening and just like wake up, you need to yeah get, grow out of this or this or like almost an like an admonition character to put in this film. I think it's I think the main reason why he's the guy who saved him is because when boy is at his worst is when he's most like his dad and his dad wouldn't give this guy the time of day. And even when like the first time we see the guy, boy just screams weirdo at him and throws rocks at him until he goes away. Yeah, and it's. And that guy still saves him. I think it's one of those moments of like, holy shit, I've been in the wrong the whole movie. I, I think that's more of what that was meant to be. Of just like, I'm sure there's much more to it. But from what I took from it was just boy's realization, realization of, I need to grow the fuck up. I can't yeah. be my dad. Stop calling everyone egg. Yeah, stop calling arrogant. everyone egg. Yeah, stop being an asshole to this guy just because he might be slow and wants to spend his day next to a river. Like, he's not hurting you. I mean, he's or, or, or just talk about eggs. Just talk about eggs in that accent. Uppies. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's what he's doing. <laughs> Look at this beautiful driftwood art I made you. Yeah, I, it's $2,000. What are you doing, weirdo? I make tables. Oh, you make tables. That's real cool. I sell them for $50,000. Out yeah. of driftwood. Oh, artisanal tables. People in Sydney love them. <laughs> Stupid Australians. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there really is a rivalry between New Zealand and Australia, but <laughs> Flight of the Concords really drives home that there is, so I just like to imagine that it's true. <laughs> Flight of the Concords is true. They speak yeah. truth. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. That's how I know everything that I know about New Zealand is <laughs> Lord of the Rings and Flight of the Concords. <laughs> It all tracks. So we might be coming at this from a very ignorant perspective. <laughs> we are now admitting that. Yeah, half an hour into the episode. By the way, we don't know shit about New Zealand. I had a <laughs> tour guide on my thing when I was in Europe as a teenager who was from New Zealand. And she actually told us to call her a Kiwi. And later on, I learned that that is kind of a derogatory word to call New Zealanders. So... We don't have the best representation in our lives. No. Have we missed anything <laughs> in Boy, or should we move into our favorite uh, favorite points, favorite moments, favorite things? I think we covered everything. I think we did. Yeah, uh, yeah. we didn't spend a lot of time on his little brother, but I'm not really sure what we can say. Uh, you know what? One thing that I should mention, just because we didn't really talk, because this they is this is going to be a bigger compliment to the movie than almost, and I mean it too, but it, it works. We didn't talk about performances at all. And I think that largely speaks as a huge 
huge congratulations to this cast because we didn't really see them as actors performing the role. We just saw the yeah. characters. The whole thing, all we did was talk about the characters and not the people playing. I mean, we mentioned them, of course, but we didn't go like, oh, well, he did a great job as boy. I think that, that's all that really needs to be said. These people were no, fucking I amazing agree. in every role. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. We, we got, don't think about them as acting. We definitely got foreshadowing for him working for Marvel. Uh, and I got the feeling that... Oh, I think Taika likes the Hulk. Yeah, I think Taika <laughs> would like to direct a Hulk movie. Um, I want Taika to have a Hulk movie. Someone do that, they, please. Yeah, Gosh they, darn it. Because he alluded to it a lot. Uh, about the And with Rocky thinking, but also probably knows he doesn't have superpowers. He pretty much just thinks he keeps tripping people. Uh, Rocky's <laughs> a very sweet character. I really liked him. Rocky is the most well-adjusted character in the movie, and you don't realize it to like, the end. And he's well-adjusted be- in the way that he just ignores the buffoonery, essentially. Yeah. He just th- sees through the bullshit. And, like, even, like, the, hey, man, we're hungry. You, you gonna come make us dinner? Like, it's just like, dude, do Well, that you- was the the female cousin. Oh, I thought that was Rocky. No. Uh, they all have the same haircut, so I can understand. Yeah. They brought her. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just I like Rocky because of that. Like he, he's just kind of uh, he's the he's like the light, not the lightning rod. He's like the he's that firm character that boy wanted his dad to be, and if he yeah. just looked down instead of up, he'd see it. Yeah, hang out with Rocky more. The yeah. kid's got his his stuff together. Whether or not he thinks he has superpowers, I mean, he seems like a very genuine person. Yeah. He's a good dude. And he makes his mom's grave super colorful, which makes her feel alive a little bit. So that's awesome. Yeah. R- Rocky wins the I movie. I hope people I... graffiti my... Well, I don't want a grave. Yeah, so that'd make it a little tough. Yeah. <laughs> Just graffiti something in my honor. Yeah, we'll, we'll find a good wall for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that like I'm not going to die before you. Come on. <laughs> I better die first. I don't want to deal with your funeral. I just want to be cast in gold and launched into space. It's yeah. not that difficult. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> you're going to be bronze and you're going to put it at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what I want. <laughs> but I'm still a, sort uh, of fine with it. <laughs> James Cameron will find me at some point. We all know he's immortal. <laughs> the Finding of Brian, a documentary series by James Cameron. A seven a part, yeah, great. A seven-part cinematic event in IMAX. Yeah. You'll be like... The, his wife did his wishes, but on a budget. <laughs> oh, we need Zara to narrate this. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, all right, so let's move into favorite moments. Should we go? I guess when he's breaking the science oven. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> I mean, to reference another movie. Uh, but this when the cousin is going around going, what happened to all of our door knobs and then you cut to boy putting them all in the microwave and you're like oh no the part of me is just like oh is he gonna burn the house down i'm like i'm gonna feel really bad if he burns the house down and then he didn't it was just a little little fire it was contained uh and he failed at melting them because of course well of course yeah you're not gonna do a microwave yeah the one thing we didn't mention about that microwave is how goddamn funny it is that it, they think the, it's a TV. two or three different points, somebody's trying to watch it as if it's a TV. <laughs> it is square. I've never seen a they're, microwave like that. They're not wrong. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to use mine from earlier, which is when he's talking to uh, Auntie, and she's like, get a job! Like, 
I can't. You have them all. <laughs> this is such a great moment. <laughs> uh, I, I think we briefly mentioned what mine was, was when they were doing, when they were playing war at the beach and, uh, not just because of like all the amazing sticks that they found to play war, which I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, but also when Rocky tries to trip up his dad and, and gets him. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like it, it was a, a bit of perfect timing. And I really like that. Uh, yeah. And I just, I love every moment in this movie where they make Taika think that he's the coolest guy in the room and just be a total fucking dork. Like, I love every moment of it. Like, especially, like, the Dukes of Hazard into the car, and then it's, like, almost a solid minute of screen time of him trying to figure out how to get into a window. Right. Are you super lucky he wasn't killed for stealing all that marijuana? Oh, yeah. The fact that he only got a little roughed up is amazing. Yeah. And that was uh, preceded by a dance sequence, which oh, is, ama- is an amazing way so, to portray them getting beat up. So good. Uh, yeah. So double features might be a little tough on this one, but I don't think it'll be impossible. John, you are forbidden from using Welcome to the Dollhouse. Huh. Um, huh. That's totally I, that, not I, true. I, if you want to, go ahead. I just No, that would that'd be hoof. It hasn't, hasn't left my head since you mentioned it last week, so I'm still a little, still a little burned, but it's okay. Uh, God. Hmm. You know, I'm going to go a little against the grain on mine, and I'm going uh, to use Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Just because of how many references there are to the Hulk in this, and because of how Chewie kind of broke Thor Ragnarok for me as it being very similar to this movie of tragedy, buffoon, grow up, rinse, repeat. <laughs> grow up. Quit, quit being a buffoon. I know it's sad, but you'll be okay. Oh, I'll be okay? You'll be okay. Oh, I'm okay. In the next movie, he stops being a buffoon and just turns into a drunkard. Yeah, he, he's, he's far less funny in <laughs> Infinity War and Endgame. What the hell? Just go watch Hook. <laughs> it's the opposite of this movie, almost. Where the father actually is way cooler than he comes off to be. He, he's the opposite of Alamein. Where he's trying to pretend to be this well-adjusted father, businessman, and everything. But really, he needs to put on some spandex and fight some uh, pirates while flying around. Hook is so fucking good. Hook is so good. And so, yeah, and that one's it's the exact opposite about two kids whose dad, I mean, not complete, because their dad is absent, and they wish they had a better connection with their father, and in Hook, they get to have a better connection with their father once they realize he's Pan. Well, Jack gets to have a better connection with his father. The daughter's just sort of there. Spielberg is better with boys than he is with girls. He is. Uh, John, what about you? So, welcome to the dollhouse. Just kidding. <laughs> Had to get that out of there. Um, no, but I am going to go uh, again for a, a shift. And Brian, you're going to like this shift. Oh no! And it's really just as simple as Taika's in both, and the movies both feature doofuses who eventually overcome. And it's going to be Green Lantern, the 2000. Oh, there film. you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Taika, having to be in Green Lantern. <laughs> I forgot about that. Where is he in that? He's one of uh, Hal Jordan's friends. Oh. I think he's one of the first people that Hal Jordan tells him that he's Green Lantern. Doesn't right, and he tries part, on the suit for him? Yeah. Huh. Taika's there. Yeah, no, it's really that scene I was thinking of, too, as I was watching a few of these moments, and boy, I was just like, 
yeah, no, there's there's kind of a Taika vibe humor in some of those scenes of the movie. Booster Gold movie. Taika should direct a Green Lantern movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'd I'd be all all aboard for that train. I mean, that'd be they're all gonna do better than Martin Campbell. Like, it's not that hard to do. <laughs> Low bar. He's a good director, just not on fucking Green Lantern or a lot of his other movies. He made a couple of good Bond movies, and that's really why I like him. All right. Didn't CG Bond's face on any tuxes. <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's everything, right? We did it. We finished Boyd. Yeah. We Boyd. Boyd! This movie uh, is boy. so much better than About a Boy. I'm very sad that you, you didn't clue into my, my ravenous reference right there. No, I don't. Bo- but that's Boyd. That's what boy. I said. We Boyd. <laughs> yeah. As in B-O-Y apostrophe E-D. I just wanted to get my dig out of Boy's Life in there. Yeah, no, that, no you... A Boy's Life, not About a Boy. Yeah, I knew which movie you meant. You really don't like <laughs> A Boy's Life. Oh, man. It's so... We like our movie About a Boy God. better than About a Boy. It's so self-serving. That's the only way I can describe that film. I like Boy's Life. Um, <laughs> you like Tree of Life. I like Boy's Life. We can just go to our separate corners and watch our nonsense. Uh, a Boy's Tree of Life. <laughs> okay, fine. Your movie's pretentious and stupid. So is yours. <laughs> a match made in heaven. Uh, man, that'd be a real fucking long and horrible double feature. <laughs> I would just not. Oh, I don't ever want to watch that it. movie again. I mean, we gotta do that. Boy's Life is like five hours, and a Tree of Life is three days long, so it's just <laughs> too much. <laughs> we need to have a watch party with that, and just have like you guys talk throughout the whole thing. I want to see how this goes. Who kills the other one first? <laughs> I just, no. There's so many... No. I feel the same way. I can't watch A Boy's Life again. I can't watch Tree of Life again. See? Fine. I'll find somebody else to watch it with. Corn. Will you, though? I'll have Corn watch it with me. Corn, good luck. Corn can't make it through freaking Mary Poppins, but he's going to love Tree of Life. Oh, boy. So, next week, The Hunt for Wilder People. Yay! I'm pretty excited for this one. Uh, again, seen a little bit of it, haven't seen the whole thing. So uh, thank you, Taika Waititi Month. You're getting me through all my Taika Waititi gap. Uh, after this, I will have seen them all. Them all. Until he makes another. And then, then I'll see it eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm very excited for this one. It's going to be a good time. Uh, everyone I know who's seen it has loved it. Uh, even my dad saw it and has like called me twice over this quarantine to be like, hey, have you, have you watched it yet? I'm like, no, but I'm doing a whole month on Taika. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. So that, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. We're getting to it. Uh, let's do a quick round of plugs and say goodbye. Uh, for this show and every other show on the ATH Network, uh, be sure to check out ATHpod.com. Coming up this Monday for Venture Bros. It is the Venture Bros finale for now, uh, where we'll be talking about <laughs> what made the show so good and why we loved covering it in all of its episodes for now. And eventually we might do uh, another show called uh, Welcome to You Are Doom, the Frisky Dingo podcast, which will be coming up, uh, I think, in two weeks or three weeks, but we're, we're gearing up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then when we're done with Frisky Dingo, you know, that, that's a... Uh, We'll figure out something else. It might be another season of Venture Bros. Ha 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 That's not coming out for like seven years. Uh, so that's why I keep saying for now. For now. For now. For now. Uh, and then uh, be sure to check out... Superstar. Yeah. NBC. Probably on Peacock. You know, they're doing that thing. They are doing that thing. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Anything else? Nope. No? Uh, nope. Okay. 
Well, then, uh, then bye. For now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> no, for now. Jeez. Jeez.